What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm your host, Tyler Walters, alongside Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. How about you? Doing good. Doing good. We're back on Skype. Hopefully, this is the last time. Maybe one more show on Skype until we're back in the, the Garnet Media Studios where we have no connection problems or no tech flakes. Skype Skype is good, but flicks out on us every now and then. Yeah, on occasion. Yeah. All right. So, we'll do maybe a little shorter today than usual, but we've got some interesting things happen happening in the world of the SEC. Not a lot coming out of South Carolina the second. Um, Clemson's obviously playing for national championship next week. So we'll cover that on Friday. We're going to release a, a preview of the national championship game. Um, but we'll start in Starkville. And what the hell is happening in Starkville, Mississippi? So Mississippi State plays a bowl game against Louisville the other day. The, the Gator Bowl or something, I think it was. 38-28, they lose to Louisville. Um, they're one of two teams in the SEC. The SEC. Have you looked at the bowl records yet between conferences? I took a sneak peek at it one time. And I, was the SEC, I think the ACC was like 4-4 four and four or some really low number, I thought, but I didn't really get to look into it too much. Yeah, it's so I checked them again today, and most everybody is either at 500 or right above 500 or right below it. Except the SEC, and the SEC is nine and two. Uh, Auburn lost to Minnesota last Wednesday in whatever bowl game that was. New Year's Day, one o'clock game, um, and in a close, pretty good game. I'm, I missed most of that one, but I was able to go back and catch up on it a little bit. And uh, I was watching Alabama just beat the brakes off of Michigan in the second half. It took them a while to get rolling, but or to to gain that lead. But uh, once they did, I mean, they crushed it. Uh, but the SEC is 9-2 and two in bowl games right now. And people question why every year why SEC teams get ranked above other teams, get ranked above other schools from other conferences. And it's, it's pretty simple. You know, when SEC teams show up, they show up to play. Uh, unless you are Mississippi State, who at one point was just getting dominated by Louisville. Like this... 38-28 was, is a little closer than I thought that game was. I watched a decent bit of it. Like, I turned it on in the second quarter, and I was like, jeez, like, Louisville is is crushing Mississippi State. And they're, like, a pretty pathetic performance. So after the game, like, they lose last Monday. That was the day, like, last show we released. Mississippi State, like, that day, heading into Tuesday, Wednesday, midweek, uh, reports that Mississippi State is talking about letting go of uh, Joe Moorhead, uh, their head coach, and then eventually, like, more reports come out during the middle of the week and end up firing him on Friday or parting ways, whatever you want to call it. They canned him. Um, but the, like, he caught me by surprise. Like, you let your coach go all season. They went 6-6. Six and six, um, and you let him coach the bowl game. There was talks of Joe Moorhead leaving at the end of the regular season. And then you let Joe Moorhead coach the bowl game. I really think, looking back at it, uh, the Mississippi State wanted to fire him when the season was over. 
But the win against Ole Miss, the win in the Egg Bowl, kept for then. And I think had he won this game at Louisville or uh, against Louisville, then he would still be the coach at Mississippi State. Obviously, that's not the case, and he's not the coach at at uh, Mississippi State. But I thought it was a weird move to wait until after the bowl game when we've already the coaching carousel is pretty much like it's coming to a close. Like teams have their coaches like. Arkansas has a coach. Missouri has a coach. Fired, got a coach. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of schools like in the, in the coaching moves in the SEC have already been made. Ole Miss got a got a coach, Lane Kiffin. So, all of these moves have kind of happened, and I think the combination of watching your arch rival get one of the hottest names on the market in Lane Kiffin, and you being okay with how Moorhead season went at Mississippi State just led to them kind of firing, but I thought it was real strange to let them wait this far and then fire them. What'd you think about it? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. It's like all the best coaches, like you said before, kind of off the market at this point. So now you're really working out at their leftovers. There was another program that did something like this. I can't. I was watching ESPN. And they were talking about how it really set the program behind. And so you're kind of forced to catch up. But yeah, so not probably the smartest move. Uh, Mississippi State, but they must have just been sick of it. Uh, and yeah, the fact that Louisville is probably not even competitive in the in the ACC, and the fact that they lost Mississippi, uh, the fact that they were able to beat Mississippi State, I, like you said, there's probably a couple boosters maybe who are like you know what, I'm over it, like get them out of here, so they decide to fire them. Yeah, yeah, I think Miss uh, Louisville won seven games in the regular season, um, yeah. so I guess eight with the bowl win. But yeah, you, like you can't lose to. Uh, Louisville team who would be bottom tier in the SEC like this is that's just kind of like the icing on the cake for Moorhead like he had a mediocre season and then I guess to leave off with a loss to Louisville left boosters like you said and uh, the people above him the AD and the school itself just in like a situation where like should we pull the trigger and they did but I don't know if they meant to yet like I honestly think they should have just kept him around for another season and waited to see what happened. And then if you don't, things aren't working out, you can fire him pretty quick next season and you'll have first grabs at, at coaches. Um, obviously, that doesn't always work out. I mean, it didn't work out for Arkansas or it doesn't seem to have worked out for Arkansas. They didn't get any hot name. They got Sam Pittman, Georgia's offensive line coach, uh, who has been the offensive line coach at every school in the country. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought it was like, Really weird move. So Joe Moorhead goes eight and five his first year in 2018, uh, with mostly Dan Mullen's team. So pretty good like start, right? And then you go six and six, and I think when you look back at some of the losses, I think the biggest like when you look at like Mississippi State just didn't compete in big games this year. Like you, I like I don't think people at Mississippi State expect you to win the SEC West. When you look back three, four years ago when what Dan Mullen did and they had him ranked, you know, number one in the country at one point, um, that's a shock for Mississippi State. You know, their trophy case is not very big. Uh, (laughs) They don't really have much going, but like it's for you to fall from grace that far. Like it's just Dan Mullen is a one of a kind guy. In, uh, in a recruiter and a team builder, and and Joe Moorhead inherited his team, and you can go eight and five with those athletes, right? This year he gets more guys in, he goes five hundred, six and six, and then he gets a bowl game and gets 
just just dominated by Louisville for most of the game. Um, and, well, and I think that was just the icing on the cake. Yeah, you, say? you said that because I did in my notes. Do you think Dan Mullen kind of maxed out the talent that they'll ever get there at Mississippi State? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't think it like at Mississippi State. It's it's tough because you don't like both schools in Mississippi are sixty thousand seat stadiums. Like compared to, I mean, that's pretty big. It's bigger than as big as, if not bigger than most NFL stadiums. Um, but when you look around the SEC, like right here in Columbia, there's eighty thousand. Georgia's ninety five. Uh, Florida, I think, is over like at 100 now or close to it tennessee's well over 100 uh one of the biggest 80 90 uh the same way like most schools have much tens of thousands more seats in their stadium which means they sell more tickets uh typically generically speaking and have bigger fan bases and mississippi and mississippi state are kind of these small like they're Mississippi is like a small state. Like it, there's the population's not huge. Um, so therefore the money's not always there. Uh, I don't think Ole Miss has ever struggled with the money part. Really. They've got plenty of rich donors. Um, Mississippi state has seemed to struggle in the past with getting who they want to coach. And I do think, like you said, Dan Mullen kind of maxed out what you're ever going to get out of Mississippi state. But I also think, at the same time, had he stayed there another two, three years, or if he was a Mississippi State guy through, um, then you have a team that would have eventually, you know, another, like right now, if Dan Mullen's still at Mississippi State, I, I honestly believe Mississippi State's competing for national championships. But in any time, I think you get a long, like, coaching career at one school, you put yourself in that category in uh, to be able to compete for national championships. We just don't see that that often in college football. Coaches, if they don't succeed, you know, we're, we saw it a lot this year. If coaches don't succeed in the first couple of seasons, boom, gone, right? These, we saw that at Arkansas uh, this year with, with Chad Morris. Two seasons out the door, not even two full seasons out the door. Uh, and, and we just saw with Jormo, Joe Moorhead and Mississippi State, two seasons, boom, out the door. Uh, we kind of talked about this right before we started here, Matthew, but the coaches named are a little interesting. I was reading a good bit today out of the, whatever the paper is in Jackson, Mississippi, um, <laughs> some other, some other sites, 24 seven and some other sites. You got Skip Holtz, uh, Holtz, that last name carries some weight in college football. Um, yes, son, right? Yeah, that's Lou Holtz's son. If you don't know, Lou Holtz's son, legendary coach at Notre Dame, uh, coached at South Carolina. Skip Holtz was, here's your tie-in, South Carolina fan. Skip Holtz was the offensive coordinator, play caller in, from 99 to like 04, I think. Um, and he wasn't the play caller last year, but he was still offensive coordinator. And he then kind of traveled around. He was at USF for a while, had pretty good teams down there. Uh, East Carolina had East Carolina ranked in the top 20 um, for two or three straight years uh, has had some very good success with Louisiana Tech. He's six and oh in bowl games there. That kind of shocked me when I, when I look back. They just beat Miami with 14 zip or something like that. 10 zip in a, in a bowl game. He, he's never lost a bowl game at Louisiana Tech. That kind of shocked me. Yeah, that's great right there. And it also goes to show you, like, because, you know, a lot of times you play a little bit better teams in the bowl games. Like, he can play on the uh, 
win the bigger games basically as a head coach. So that's something you always look to see. Yeah, as a like a like you're gonna as a Louisiana Tech or a USF of the world, if you have a pretty good season and you get bowl eligible, you're typically gonna be playing a school who's far more talented than you who played a tougher schedule and didn't win as many games because they played more talented teams. Um, but the fact that he's gone six and zero in bowl games there is, is pretty damn good. The next name on the list would be, uh, I think, a big hire for Mississippi State. Uh, Florida defensive coordinator Todd Grantham. Um, what did you think about that name? Todd Grantham uh, is interesting. Whenever TJ was committed to Louisville, because, you know, we were in, we went to high school at the same time and graduated at the same time. TJ Brunson. Yeah, so whenever he was committed to Louisville and after TJ's visit, I remember he telling me Todd Grantham was, like, in the coach's office, obviously just trying to recap the visit or whatever. But, yeah, I don't have any problems with the Grantham uh, guy from Florida. I don't see him getting the job, me in particular, but, I mean, obviously they can get that seal. That'd be a big hire for the program. Yeah, and then another defensive coordinator of the SEC, LSU defensive coordinator, Dave Moran. That's the one. That's, uh, that's a pretty big name thrown around out there, too. Um, I think he flaked out. Say that again, Matthew? No, I was about to say, they can get him. If they can get him, although LSU's defense has been kind of subpar this year, I feel like there's something probably that guys probably learn with recruiting with Ed, Ed or Geron or whatnot. And a lot of guys, because for me hearing that, it's like, ooh, LSU, that'd be nice. So obviously uh, they'll probably see if they can get, at least get in for an interview or whatever in that case to see if they can get him. But I think that'd be a big hire for them. Yeah, I, 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 I'm on your same line of thought there. I'm also on the same line of thought with Todd Grantham there. I think either one of those names, you get those guys – you give them a shot in the SEC, um, I think you're going to have a legitimate coach leading your team. Um, but we've seen the defensive-minded guys. Like, you've seen those teams. Like, Kirby is having good success with Georgia. Has he gotten much farther than Mark Rick? Mm, no. Um, he got to a national championship game. It didn't. He didn't win it. Um and you look at Will Muschamp, and there's plenty of other defensive guys around in the SEC now, like uh, excluding Saban. Uh, but even Saban's evolved into more of an offensive team. I, I mean, Mississippi State had a lot of success with an offensive-minded coach when Dan Mullen, um, and I think they should maybe lean that way. But we'll see that the names I'm, I'm seeing out there aren't a lot of offensive guys. Uh, Mike Leach is going to be in every coaching discussion from here until the end of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there's just, I mean, he just signed an extension with Washington state. Um, he's not leaving. Certainly not for Mississippi state. I, I wouldn't think, I mean, if you take the sec badge off of Mississippi state, they are the same school as Washington state. Like there's, they're yeah. mediocre in their conference, like mediocre team, like not a lot of history. Uh, they're going to go, you know, Six and six a few years. Every now and then they'll win nine, ten games and make a little bit of a splash, get in a pretty good bowl game, or they'll pull in a good recruiting class and they'll be ranked a little higher. Um, but at the beginning of the season, but they're like I, I think those schools are very similar as far as places to live. Um, I mean they're they're very similar. Both are kind of like Starkville's a very small town. Pullman, Washington's a very small. I don't see enough differences there for Mike Leach to make him want to come to Mississippi, excuse me, make him want to come to Mississippi State. Maybe money, maybe money draws him out of the Pacific Northwest. 
Uh, that's always a factor. Maybe build him a pirate ship. He'll come. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this name yet. This is the funniest name I've heard. Jason Garrett. They think Cowboys that... Jason Garrett. Wow, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say it's not happening. Uh, no. that's interesting. I never would have even thought to put that, throw that name in there. I heard Billy Napier, which was interesting because I remember Billy Napier. As soon as like Dabble got to Clemson, uh, not uh, became the head coach, he fired him after the Taj Boyd year, after Taj Boyd freshman year when Clemson you know, lost to USF, and that was whenever he brought in Chad Morris. But he's been said that he's not going there. But yeah, I didn't hear Jason Garrett. I'm not gonna lie to you, I didn't expect to hear that one. <laughs> no, I didn't either. Um, I think that was one reporter saying, hey, wouldn't it be fun to just toss Jason Garrett's name around and see what happens? Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's any legitimacy to that report. I'm sure Jason would take the call. <laughs> uh, yeah, right now, I, like he's, uh, he's out at, at, in Dallas, which shocked me. I didn't think Jerry had the balls to do it. I didn't think Jerry Jones was going to get rid of him. Did you? No, I didn't think so. Whenever I saw that he kept having several meetings, I was like, if they're going to fire, they're going to fire him on the first go around. But he's going to bring him back, bring him back, look, and then like kind of reassure him, okay, we're going to keep you for the one more time, but we're going to need for you to do this, that, and the third. So now, and then people on Twitter were saying he's fired on Monday, and then I was like, no, he's not. So I was like, I'll just wait on the official report. But yeah, so he definitely is out there. I'm really interested to see who uh, ends up taking over at the helm. Uh, yeah, um, Dallas Cowboys is, pr- I would venture to say the Dallas Cowboys is the hottest job in football, and it mm, all of my life has been, um, and even before that, and I honestly think it always will be. You've got the most money in football, uh, and it's the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, right? Like, Yeah, you get, yeah I get, like, the only one that kind of competes for them, I think, on the is maybe the Packers just because of their history, but like, would you go coaching Green Bay over Dallas? Probably not. Like, if you succeed in Dallas, you are the biggest of superstars for the rest of your life. Yeah, because um, Mike Tomlin's even pretty hot, and he's the and he's won a couple championship in Pittsburgh, and that Pittsburgh's another one of those blue chip names. But yes, yeah, so yeah. you. In Dallas, and you have this fan base that has been thirsty for a championship for so long, and you were able to go get them win. And these days and times, it's one thing when Jimmy Johnson, those guys were doing it, but now the social media age and the fan following all the money that's involved in it, you get a uh, Super Bowl win now, and you will be remembered. I think they even say like Cowboys players around Dallas are just like legends, so it'd be the same thing with a head coach. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just like there's no football like Texas football, and there's no football like Dallas Cowboys football. Um, as much as I love to watch him lose and Stephen A. rip him, um, like it's the hottest job in football. Oh, st- speaking of Stephen A., I'm kind of glad I thought of this. Stephen A. had a great tweet. I don't know if you saw it. He he, he tweeted out a picture of uh, a couch um, so, in the living room so. and, and labeled him. Yeah, <laughs> killed me. Labeled him like different numbers, like one, two, three, four, five, six, and he said, "Hey to all my Dallas." Cowboys football players, I just want to know where the best spot is to the playoffs. <laughs> just, if you haven't seen it yet, like, it's Stephen A. got a lot of attraction on that tweet. He always does on his Cowboys tweets. That was phenomenal. Stephen A. is hilarious. I even remember whenever he walked through the stadium, I think they were recording uh, first take, and he walked through the stadium with his Cowboy hat on, 
And his jersey is just Stephen A is just absolutely hilarious. He is really turning into a, like I guess he's always been a true personality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but there's Jason Garrett back to Mississippi State. Jason Garrett, I saw that. I I don't think there's any legitimacy to it, but it was just kind of funny to bring up. But here's the most interesting name to me that's a possibility. Um Gene Chizik. Did you see Gene? I've seen Gene Chizik. I saw that. They say that he decided to leave uh, North Carolina. Yeah, he resigned from his post at North Carolina because he wanted to be closer to his family in Auburn, Alabama. I was a big Gene Chizik fan. I thought that I didn't realize. I knew that Cam uh, Newton and Nick Fairley and those guys were good, but I kind of put a lot of it on Gene Chizik. But then, obviously, whenever he left, they struggled. They ended up going to North Carolina. He's an analyst now, but I'm a big Gene Chizik fan. I don't know how great of a coach he is, but that would definitely be an interesting move. I'm sure that they would take the interview, you know, take the phone call if uh, they were given one. But what you think? Uh, yeah, I think that's the most – I'm not sure – I don't know how Gene Chizik feels about this. Um, if Mississippi State would it be to reach out with him. Or reach out to him. Uh, I like I, that to me is the most intriguing because this is a guy who's had a lot of success. He's climbed to the top of the mountain in your division, in the SEC West at Auburn. Like he can, like he's proven he can do that. Can he do it at Mississippi State? And he did it in a very short time at Auburn. He won in the second year as a head coach. Um, he pulls a really good. Offensive coordinator in, um, it, who knows what happens? Like it, it's, I, I, I thought the Gene Chizik name was the best to me. Here's the best thing I can say about Gene Chizik. I used to hate him as an Auburn, as the Auburn football coach, and I think of a lot of it was because I despised Cam Newton, and that just kind of pushed off onto onto Gene Chizik when they played Oregon in 2010 in the BCS National Championship. That is the only time I have never rooted for the SEC team in anything. In any bowl, I did not. I was hoping for them to lose so bad. And who is it? Michael Dyer got up on that huge run that his yeah. knee didn't go down on and ends up, you know, taking it all the way down the field. And they end up winning. Like, that's the most important play of the game when you look back at that. But Gene Chizik, as an analyst, is fin- like, I love him. I think he's very, very, very good. Um, he has a way of explaining things to make even the simplest minded or most unaware football fan notice certain things about the game. And you can see that come out. If that comes out to me as a viewer, I can only imagine how those things come out as a football player and he's your coach. Um, so I like, I think very highly of Gene Chizik, uh, especially after watching him, you know, over the last few years on, on the SEC network, he does a phenomenal job on there. Um, and yeah, I don't really like. I'm not much in the booth, but when I do, I, I like to. I I usually turn on the SEC Network after games, like on Sundays, because they got rid of the old college football final, and I really only care about you know. I, I really only want to focus hard on the SEC uh, on days after, and I love watching his breakdowns. He does a phenomenal job, but I, I think he would probably be he would be a shock hire that's a hire that you can come look across the aisle to miss to Ole Miss and say okay you got Lane Kiffin 
who's never really done anything. We got Gene Chizik, who's just won on a national championship, Tom, but and he hasn't coached for like five of those years. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's in one of the most interesting hires. And like, I don't think Gene would not take it. I think he would have to, everything would kind of have to go his way uh, as far as like money and stuff. He's going to be more expensive than some of the other guys on this list. But like, I could really see him in Mississippi State. That would be fun to watch, I think. that's. I think that's my guy if I'm a Mississippi State fan right now. Yeah, I've also I've noticed it. I, I haven't really listened to him as much, but I have heard a lot of positive like res, I guess responses about him on the SEC Network, like you were saying. Also, one thing I just saw, that he was part of the Texas 2005 national title team as the Cody yes. as a coordinator. So he was with Muschamp? No, that was before Muschamp. Muschamp got there in 2008. Muschamp was with the Dolphins in 05. I think okay. that's the year he left for the Dolphins. Um, yeah, it, like – Gene Chizik is a he's got a very good track record of defense. And I know I was just saying, you know, Mississippi State, you you have a strong like you just had an offensive coach who can kind of stir things up. And I think if you're a smaller school, you almost need an offensive coach because you need something different about you, something that defensive can't you need splashes. Um and I think that gives a lot of smaller or like not elite teams the edge. Uh, because they can have a few years of success while teams can't catch up to them. And then once teams catch up to them, if you still have the same coach, you, by then you build up recruits and stuff where you can build a program. Um, but I think Gene Chizik can do it from the defensive side of the football. Here's my kind of my thing with this. is Do you take looking at a guy that had, has had decent success, that's, um, but he's never had a head coaching shot in a big-time conference? You take Todd Grantham who's kind of, un, uh, I mean, unproven as a head coach. Do you take Dave Miranda, who's in the same boat? Do you give them a shot in the SEC as a head coach? Or do you take someone who's proven? You know, now this is all granted, all of these guys want to come to Mississippi State. Um, but yeah, it, it's like, I, I take Gene Chizik out of that pick, right? Out of that, out of that litter right there at Mississippi State. Yeah, definitely. And like even with like how you're saying, even he had it's not like he had an easy way of getting to the top of the SEC I mean the SEC period in a national championship. He had to go and beat uh Alabama. So he's used to playing against well, I guess coaching in those really good games and beat Nick Saban head to head. Especially coming back, because you know, that was the year they were down like twenty eight to three. I don't know whatever the score was, but they were down big that year. Also I think it was twenty eight zip at halftime. Yeah, they just stormed back. I love that year of Cam Newton. So, like, how you don't like him, I absolutely loved him. Another thing to think about, <laughs> Gene Chizik's king of sound bites. I remember he had two of them that were really good, good to great. This is, like, with that L. Auburn team, like, lived off of good to great Auburn family. And I guess it's three. And the last one was uh, this place was made long before you got here. All you're trying to do here is just keep it great. I was like, ooh, that's good. So, I love the sound bites by Gene Chizik, and I, th- I love the facelift by Mississippi State. Here. Here's the Gene Chizik phrase for for all of you Clemson fans out there who think uh, Dabo created the two words "all in." Oh yeah, and yeah. That's a Clemson thing. Yeah. Look back at look back at the 2010 Auburn national championship team. They were using "all in" years before Clemson did. Uh, so th- there's there's a little bit of there. There you go, Clemson fans. There's your connection to this Mississippi State coaching church. Uh, it, it basically just to say you didn't create "all in," um, but. Yeah, we'll move on from Mississippi State. I like 
Gene Chizik's my guy. But I like I also the the one weird thing is like not only did Napier kind of distance himself, I've seen some other coaches kind of say like, eh, like hold on about Mississippi State news. So like I don't know what that says about the administration there, but maybe those coaches aren't right in the like in the right place uh, at the time. But it, it's interesting that Napier would take his name out of the hat, basically. Who's and he's coaching at. Louisiana now the the raging Cajuns, uh, they were Louisiana Lafayette. They just changed their name, but yeah, that's I, I thought that was probably the most interesting weird thing about all of this, and it's that's like dumpster fire for Mississippi State fans. Yeah, that's what I saw when I was like, he took it out at when he said Lafayette or whatever the name is. Say like he took it out like I would think that he would kind of want that to be associated with people. Like, oh, he's coming up in the world, but yeah, like you said, there might be some uh, smoke where there's smoke, there's fire. There might be something to why that to why he doesn't want his name to be associated with that. So something to look forward to. Hopefully, they're getting somebody hired here relatively soon because now they've already missed. Well, a lot of their recruits probably very upset, especially the ones that signed already. So now they yeah. probably got to hurry up and figure this out so therefore they can get the guys who will be signing in February, get those guys to know who their head coach will inevitably be. Yeah, I think Mississippi State hurt themselves a lot with this move. I think you kind of have to decide immediately after the season's over, are you going to give your coach another season or are you not? You can't wait till after bowl games anymore, not with the early signing day. Um but we'll move on from that, and we'll move on to other SEC West news. Nick Saban and Tua Tagovailoa are holding a press conference today, as you're listening to this Monday, at noon Eastern time, to announce Tua's decision on going to the NFL or coming back to Alabama. This is very weird that they are holding a press conference together um, about this. I am going to go ahead and say Tua is gone. You don't hold a press conference unless you're leaving. Tua would have just announced it on Twitter like, hey, I'm coming back, Bama. Like, let's go. Let's saddle up. I want to do it one more time. I want to win another national championship here. And I had an injury this year, and I'll be back. I I think he would have done that. Um, He's pretty vocal on on Twitter after the games and, like, sending those kind of little messages to Bama fans. Um but I think he's gone. I, I think it would be weird for them to hold this press conference, for them to walk out, and two would be like, "All right, I'm staying," and then that would be it. That would that would just be the end of the press conference. Like, what else do you have to ask after that, as a reporter? Like, what made you choose this decision? He's going to give you some, like, very average answer that you could probably just guess. It'll probably be something like, "Well, I love the Alabama family, and I want a shot at revenge because my knee was messed up this year," and that's going to be your answer, and that'll be the end of the press conference. And it'll be like, I think he's gone. Yeah, I don't really understand why he would come back. You've already shown he's already won his national championship. Uh, although he didn't lead him the whole year, I understand that. He's injury prone, so therefore I would try to get to the league. So at least then you're getting paid to be like obviously different injuries in the rehab or whatever the case. But just play it, play pay it paid to play football i don't understand why he would return like i'm trying to figure out what you have to prove knowing that i could potentially see that you can go the whole season but playing in the sec west is so aggressive and so tough at that point it's like you're putting an unnecessary strain on your body so i expect him to go pro he's probably still gonna be a first round draft pick so i'd be oh, shocked yeah. if he does anything besides uh heading to the nfl 
Yeah, like he said, I still think he's going to be a pretty hot draft pick. Good news for Bama fans, though. Dylan Moses, who missed this entire season uh, because of an injury preseason linebacker, will be back next year. I think that's a good move for him. It'll increase his draft stock, get people talking about him. Um, maybe he needs an extra year of development. So that, that that could be good for him. Hopefully he stays healthy. Um, I hated to see him miss this season. I think he could have made a real impact on Alabama's young defense. Um, but next year they'll have him. So there you go. Looking forward. Uh, all right. Let's move on to... Oh, this. Well, before we kind of move on to the NFL and talk about that for a little bit. Matt Rule, Baylor head coach, got Baylor up to number seven uh, in the in the rankings this year. Actually, I think did they get to six. Uh, no, I don't think so. Number seven. Uh, just lost to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. But Matt Rule had an incredible season as Baylor head coach. Rumor has it he's going to the Giants. So I've... Kind of my buddy, he's a huge Giants fan, was texting me about it the other day, last week. Um, what's up, Sean? Hope you're listening. You better be. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, like, he's he was texting me about Matt Rule and or talking to me about it. Um, so I thought that was a little interesting. Matt Rule was the offensive, was assistant offensive line coach for the Giants in 2012. Uh, where he had came from Temple as an offensive coordinator, and then he then went back to Temple the year after to be that coach, had good success there, uh, ends up at Baylor, basically digs Baylor out from the grave, and they rose again, and they rose to national prominence again um, very, very quickly. I didn't think we'd see that from Baylor for a long time after all the scandal that happened down there in the Art Bryles era. Uh, yeah, Matt rules Monday today as you're listening to this and the Giants Tuesday. So I, um, like, I don't, I like, this could be a good hire for either team. I think like, I don't really know. I never know with college coaches coming to the NFL to be a head coach. It, it weirds me out. Like the thing with, um, Cliff Kingsbury this year in Arizona, like they did okay. And Kyler was good too, but like, we don't really know if Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach yet because, it's his first year in Arizona was so in the gutter the year before, like they just had a, like an average season. Like they weren't trash. They weren't very good either. So we don't really know there. Um, and like you look down at a lot of college coaches who go to the NFL and they struggle a lot because it's not, you're not coaching kids. Like you're co- like, you are game planning for adult men who make money to play this game. Like it's a little different. You can't say like, if you skip practice, you know, or you skip class, like, you're out this week, whatever. Like, you don't have the amount of control and influence over 30, it's like 25 to 30-year-olds as you do 18 to 22-year-olds. It's a, it's a little bit different. And that's always weird to me. So I don't really know what to think of this move. Like, it could be good for the Giants. It could also be Ben McAdoo or Pat Shermer again. Who knows? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's a weird transition. Pete Carroll has mastered it, but the likes of Nick Saban and other guys have not. So it's always – you never know when you get those college guys going to NFL. I like Matt Rule a lot. Uh, I like what he did. Like Obviously, like you were saying before, I really like what he did there at Baylor. Watching that team, and it seems like the guys believed in him a lot. And one thing I noticed about Baylor, there's a, that's one physical football team. Like, they're a very physical football team. Obviously, he had to do a pretty good job with the X's and O's because they started off, I think, his first year they won no games. Maybe they won one. It was or two. It was a really low number. And then he obviously progressed them. So I would like to see him take his talents to the NFL. 
like you said, he's been in college for a little while there with Temple and then obviously Baylor. So see what he can go do with those Giants and see with Saquon Barkley. Hopefully they go get some receivers so they can really uh, besides Sterling Shepard. Yeah, so they can really be competitive again. So I'd love to see it happen. Uh yeah, there's a lot of things the Giants need. Head coach is one. Like they they've got to nail that down. That's really hurt them the last five, six years. I mean, McAdoo didn't work out. Pat Shermer didn't didn't work out either. Um they they've been going through it for a while now. Um but the I mean the Giants like they have some talent. Like you have one of the best running backs in the league. Like you need some more offensive linemen. Uh you need like you think you might have a quarterback, you don't really know yet. Um like Daniel Jones was good at in parts, but terrible in parts. And who knows what the hell Eli is gonna do. I, I like I think he's just gonna go I I feel like John L just gonna get Eli and try to make, you know, the Manning thing, the Manning Super Bowl happen again. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, other weird thing in the NFL. So, Cleveland Browns fired Freddie Kitchens, which they should have done last year. They never should have let him be the head coach. Um, why am I hearing Urban Meyer's name for the Cleveland Browns job? Would that not be the stupidest thing in the world? I guess, wait, okay, so just to be clear, Urban Meyer was, what, the defensive coordinator under Bill Belichick way back when in Cleveland? Is that correct? Uh, Saban was. Yeah, oh, God. Oh, God, yeah, I'm getting those. Saban and him were together. Yeah, I'm getting those completely confused. Oh, wow, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, okay. I clearly got that one backwards. I don't know, I'm thinking about that documentary, but yeah, no, Urban Meyer. Yeah, I don't don't think that's going to happen. The only thing I could think that would get Urban Meyer to go to the NFL would be potentially the Cowboys, but I really enjoy him as an analyst, so I think he's going to stay there. But other than that, if he's going to make another like move back into football, I think it'd be to go coach out on the West Coast or go coach Notre Dame in college football. Uh, yeah, I, I disagree with you on the analyst part. I hate Urban Meyer on my TV. As well. I think he's terrible. Don't he's like him. Just don't like him. I, I, don't, I don't know, but I can't, I can't get into him. Oh, gosh. Uh, um, Urban, Urban is one of the best college football coaches of all time. They're like, there's no arguing about it. Um, he, he's won national championships at two different places. Had Utah be a relevant team. Um, they're arguably still a relevant team because of him. But it's different in the NFL. Like what we were just saying with Matt Rule, like Matt Rule has a little bit of NFL experience. Urban Meyer is the leader of 18 to 22 year olds. I don't think that transitions very much at all. 25 to 30 year olds. Like you are looking at a very, very different thing. I don't think Urban Meyer is going to like not being in control of every part of the Cleveland Browns. I think he would need to be the owner, GM, head coach, you know, everything, the janitor, for it to work for him in Cleveland. He needs that complete control. And most college football coaches do. Like, Saban has that down in Alabama, didn't have it down in Miami, because if he did, then the Dolphins would have gotten Drew Brees that year. And who knows what the Dolphins are now? Uh, Who knows how their history is different? Um, But it's... It's so different. I and like I think he would be bad as an NFL coach. I don't think guys who make money for a living playing football would 
take his words the same way. Like they don't like he's gonna be sitting there. Urban Meyer's gonna give him some weird pump up speech, and they're gonna be like, "All right, dude. Like we just this is our job. Like we go play football. Like I don't need you trying to motivate me to go to you know economics one on one. Like I just I just need some football X's and O's. And I don't know how much Urban of that. I don't think Urban can bring just the X's and O's. Like he brings Urban and the motivator with him. Because that's who he is, and that is exactly what you need on the college football level, not what you need on the NFL level. Yeah, I think that one thing that you said there was about, like, like how we were talking about the NFL, you're really like the X's and O's guys. Obviously, you control a couple other things, like, but for the most part, it's like that. He needs to be the 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 guy, like you said, the general manager. I think they call it like vertical like vertical integration and econ or whatever. But anyway, he needs like to do the whole entire thing. So I don't think he'll be able to kind of just stay in his lane as a head coach. So yeah, that probably like I said, if he goes back into coaching, I needed to be in southern Southern California at a USC or in Indiana at Notre Dame. So uh, one of those two, but I don't know. Like I said, I can't believe you don't enjoy him. I, I enjoy him thoroughly. He has this thing called, I think it's called Urban Playbook. That's on YouTube. It's amazing. He breaks down everything. He breaks down why receivers do this, why quarterbacks do that. I absolutely love it. But yeah, so he'll probably stay in college. But, but according to whatever, I was doing some more, I was listening to Chris Carter talk about it a little bit, who was out at first things first. Oh my gosh, I don't even watch the show like that anymore. I like Nick, but I really like Chris. But anyway, that critical condition, I don't know if he's going to join. Do you, If you had to put your money back on it, knowing that he has whatever that critical condition is, if he gets into too much stress or whatever, do you think that he'll end, at some point get back to coaching or no? Wait, what did you say? I'm sorry. Did you uh, you skipped out a minute. Would you, did you say, will he get back to coaching? Yeah, at some point, whether it be in college or NFL. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think see Urban at Notre Dame, but I also thought, like, Ohio State, I think he would have stayed at Ohio State if if he really wanted to coach again because that was the school. Like, he grew up in Ohio State. He's an Ohio guy. He wanted to be at Ohio State. He was there. He came to the top of the mountain with them. And they are just as big, as, if not definitely bigger right now, just as big historically as Notre Dame or Southern Cal. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really know. Like, I want to think he will get back into coaching. I don't buy the health BS. I, I really don't. I think that's an excuse for, for Urban and whatever else. He may, he may be going through health issues, but I don't think at all that that's preventing him from coaching college football. I, I really don't. I think he's just using that to kind of, like, be as, like, well, I have health issues and I need to calm down and it's probably – Definitely a fact. I don't think that's the sole reason why he's not coaching anymore. I think there's a, he might just not want to coach. That's you could just say that, but I don't buy that all of it is just his health issues. Okay, and also I was listening to him talk on I think I was on Fox, and he was saying with Colin Cowherd, and he was saying that he would have stayed at Ohio State a year or two longer. But uh, he said that Ryan Day, they weren't going to be able to keep Ryan Day anymore. He's a really good coach. He felt like that was the perfect person to, like, lead the program to. So he went ahead and made an early exit. But, yeah, he said he could have coached probably about a year or two more. But he's like, well, if you have a successor like Ryan Day, you're not going to be able to keep him in forever. So you might as well go ahead. If you really care about the school, like he obviously cares about Ohio yeah. State, then it's like you go ahead and uh, let the guy go ahead and move on so the program is passed down in good hands. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably a good move. Um, I, I mean, obviously, Ryan Day had a lot of success this year and really should have won the college football playoff semifinal the other night and just kind of uh, messed it up at the end. Um, and, like, it, it's – or 
in the middle, really. But yeah, it's just it's Urban's just so weird to me, and I don't think we'll ever know the reasons why Urban left Florida, much less Ohio State. Um, but we'll move on to we'll quickly do the NFL. I think I said this is going to be a short show, but we're we're going to go full length here. Uh, the Patriots lost last night. Did you see that coming? You did not see it coming, but I heard the commentator say earlier in the game that he feels like if Derrick Henry got 150 yards, I think he said something like 150, then they were going to be able to win the game. The Patriots did lose with the final score of 20 to 13. Derrick Henry had went 34 had 34 carries for 182 yards. 34 carries. I, that dude is going to be hurting today, but he's so big he might be fine. He's a different kind of genes. And no, the Patriots didn't score at all in the second half. After seeing how, like, for a second there, I would consider, okay, maybe Tom Brady's done. But I don't think he goes out like that. So I think he'll be back next year. Now, I would love to see him in L.A. at the Chargers, get people to come out to the games in the new stadium and stuff. And I think he was born in California. I could be wrong about that. but I Yeah, think, uh, you're right. So I would love to see him go to the Chargers, but I, uh, I'm i not sure about that. What you think? Yeah, Brady's a California kid. Um, I, like, it's going to be – it's so weird that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in March. Like, I can't imagine him not playing in a Patriots uniform. Yeah. That is so weird to me. Um, but he needs help. Like, his offensive line needs a lot of help, uh, which he's had a pretty good one for a lot of his career. Um, receivers, you could argue he's, you know, had a few here and there, but never really a, an outstanding receiving core. Um, and, and he's gotten to kill Harry now, and he's got, uh, he's, I mean, he still has Edelman. Um, Gronk was a huge loss for them this year. Huge. Uh, I think they were one of the last teams in the league as far as targeting tight ends this, uh, in 2019, 2020. And there just needs to be more around Brady. That defense was very good all year. Um, and, and it's just, I mean, Losing to Vrabel, who is the expatriate, that had to sting a little for Belichick. I, I don't know. Like, he's he's lost to his successors before or his underlings before. Um, but, yeah, it, it's I, – I can't – I don't think I'm ever going to say it's the end of the Patriots dynasty until it is actually the end – until Tom Brady is dead and in a grave and until Belichick is dead and in a grave because I will always think for the rest of my life that Tom Brady can get off his couch at 65 and Bill Belichick can get off his fishing boat and go put Brady under center and win us. Um, it, it's, it is, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know what to think yet. I'm not sure that – I don't really know what to think. I don't know what Brady's thinking. Like, I, I really don't. I don't know if he wants to stay. I don't know if he wants to leave. Um, I think Belichick could give less of a shit either way. I don't think he really cares. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. I don't really, I think Belichick will be fine no matter what. I think he'll just plug someone else in and they'll be okay. Yeah. I want to, I just want to know where, I think Tom Brady would definitely be playing next year. Uh, I just don't know where I'm, I, like I said, if obviously hope be the Patriots, but if not send them to LA They'll figure it out. They got a pretty good team out there for at least players. Well, I don't think they had the yeah. best this year, but and then the more importantly, that will get people in those seats in that new stadium because they're going to have a much. I don't know if that. I'm pretty sure that starts next year. If not next year, it's year. It after. does. 
Yeah, so they're gonna have a huge stadium. They're paying a lot of money, to, even though they split it. Us to be paying money for you know concession and stuff. They need people to be in those stands. So I'm sure Mike Williams out there and uh, what's the receiver from Virginia Tech? That's one of the best receivers for the Chargers. Keenan Allen, maybe. At that stadium, but uh, I like I still don't think if you put Tom Brady, uh, like any quarterback in the world, I think you put him in a Chargers uniform. You're not really selling that many more tickets. Like, yeah, I, Phil Rivers was an exceptional quarterback who couldn't lead a team to a victory in the fourth quarter, which is what Tom Brady is kind of known for. But I like I don't I don't really see like Chargers fans in LA just LA LA is not a football town. It's just yeah. not. Let's just call it like it is. Like they're getting around the Rams because the Rams are really good, but like. The Chargers should have never been in L.A. So I, I just I don't think you're going to sell tickets no matter who's quarterback. Um, but like, let's look next week. What who do we got next week in the playoffs? We'll talk about. We'll just kind of mention that quickly as we wrap up here. We got what? Who's the, the Packers are playing? Who? So you got uh, on Saturday at four thirty-five. You got Vikings, 49ers. Then on Saturday night, eight fifteen, you got Titans, Ravens. I'm predicting the Ravens win on that one. Uh, I got Texans versus Chiefs on Sunday at 3.05, and then the Seahawks-Packers at 6.40 on our Sunday. Uh, okay, we didn't do this beforehand, um, but, like, I, who are you taking in the Super Bowl? I, like, I think I got the Chiefs out of the AFC. I think the Ravens and the Chiefs are going to have a hell of a AFC championship game. Excuse me. But I think the Chiefs and... I think Andy Reid is going to lose on poor clock management to the 49ers. Okay. Okay. I got uh, Ravens beat. I got the – oof, God, that's a tough one. Definitely Ravens 49ers in the uh, championship game. <sighs> I don't like to buy too much into the hype, so I want to go with the 49ers. But last time I think I bet money – but the 49ers are going to beat the Ravens. I lost a lot of money, so I'm going to go ahead and go with the Ravens. Because, <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Ravens. Yeah, I will say this, though. If the Seahawks win in Lambeau Saturday night, Saturday, whatever, whenever that is, I think the Seahawks are probably the best team. They are the most likely team to win the Super Bowl left in the playoffs. The Ravens are really good. Are they a Super Bowl? I don't really know. We we see this a lot. I mean, we saw the Chiefs last year, an exceptional team all the way through, losing the playoffs. Obviously, the Ravens will have to deal with the January, late January Patriots, like the Chiefs did. Um, but it's it, it's different. It's a different kind of beast playing in January. It, it's not October. Um, so we'll see. Um, there's a lot of guys on that team who are really, 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 really good and have been in the league a nice little while now. They've got a good veteran group to lead Lamar. Um, but I don't know. I, I really think if the Seahawks win, if the Seahawks beat the Packers, the Seahawks would be my pick just because of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson's an incredible quarterback um, and some of the other playmakers they have. And, and like, I mean, Clowney, the, the defense had like seven sacks today, yesterday, as you're listening to this. And they played an incredible game. Like Clowney's added a lot to that defense, but like I, I, the Seahawks to me, if they beat the Packers, they will beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. 
and I think they will beat whoever they play in the Super Bowl. I think mean, they're super well-rounded, and they have a great coach, and I think that'll be that. Russell Wilson will be able to lead them. That'd be crazy. When do they do the uh, MVP voting, by the way? They release it, like, the week before the Super Bowl, which is weird. Um, like, I don't really ever pay that much attention to the MVP. I just remember it was Matt Ryan. Like, it got announced it was Matt Ryan before the Super Bowl, which was weird. I don't know. It, it, it's it's all strange to me. Like, I would just want to just leave that until after. Like, either do it before the playoffs start or do it after the playoffs end. Like, I don't want it during the middle of the playoffs. I guess it's something to announce on the Pro Bowl week, which the Pro Bowl sucks, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, all right. I think that's going to be it for the lead block this week. Um, thank you to Ben Sound for our music, intro and outro for the show. Obviously, I didn't say this at the top. But go go uh, rate, review the show if you're on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. Comment on any of our posts. Let us know what you want to hear on the show. DM us, Matthew, myself, or the show account. We'll see it, and we'll respond, um, and we'll put whatever you want on the show. And then we will have a show for you either I'm thinking, we think next Wednesday after the college football playoffs. So there will be no show Monday, next Monday, um, because we don't want to release the show right before the college football playoff happens, after, before we've already, we're already going to preview it on Friday. So we're going to wait until after the game, and we'll release the show for you. So be on the lookout for that, and we will find out which Tiger gets crowned. Um, but we'll talk about all that on Friday. And that's it from us. Matthew, you got any last words? Nah, that's it, man. Alright, good stuff. We'll see you Friday. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.